God bless you. I remember the first time we ever met Rodney Howard Brown. This was a long, long time ago down in uh, 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 Florida. And I, I'll tell you what, pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, uh, he had just come over here, still had a thick, thick South African accent. And his number one message was, I command you to laugh. I command you to laugh. He'd say, I command you to laugh, and people would fall out laughing craziest thing you've ever seen. People didn't even want to laugh would laugh. They'd roll in the floor laughing. Uh, 1990, down at the uh, Orlando Christian Center, there with Benny Hinn. Isn't that something I come on you to laugh? Oh, man. Uh, we need joy. The joy of the Lord is our... A merry heart does good like a... Yeah. I don't like old sour, cynical saints. They shouldn't be such a thing as a sour, cynical saint because you're an overcomer. You've overcome. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Romans 8, 37 said, yet amid all these things, we're super victorious. Yet amid all things, everything the devil can chunk at you. Uh, listen, I'm telling you, you're Teflon. It can't stick. Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. The Bible said a thousand fall here, 10,000 there, but it won't come near you. That's what we talked about yesterday in the school. We talked about dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. Wow, wow. So anyway, I, I got some things I want to encourage you to get to the book table. I'm serious. My wife has unearthed some vintage uh, uh, teachings of me, Paul Keith, and Bob Jones. Oh, Lord. We went out to uh, the Northwest to do a conference called The Ring of Fire, The Spirit of Truth. Wow. You remember when uh, the body of Christ started seeing gemstones? It was, it was because of this, this meeting right here. This is a meeting when the gemstones started falling. I mean, out of heaven they'd fall. It's just pretty wild. One, one of my friends had a ring made out of one about that big around, bigger than the Pope's ring. You've never, never seen anything like it. But anyway, so there's uh, the ring of fire, the spirit of truth. Uh, and uh, there, there's messages in here by Bob Jones and Paul Keith and myself. Wow, you talk about some pretty intense things. We talk about the ring of fire. And God wants to come down. Uh, in it, Isaiah, Isaiah 64, verse 1 says, Oh, Lord, rend the heavens and come down. He is, but he's bringing fire. And it says the fire will burn up the underbrush. Those things, those things, that, those obstacles that get in our way of him and try to impede our progress. Listen, God will burn them up. And he said he's going to cause the water to boil. Now, a lot of churches have had the word, but they had not had the fire. So God wants to come down with fire. He causes the water to boil. Isaiah 64, verse 1. Anyway, ring of fire. There's not very many of them, so you'll have to be careful with them. Uh, you, you'll have to, I don't know how to say it. Uh, get out there quick. Uh, uh, I want to show you another thing. Here's one. This is called call from birth. This is where I tell my whole life story. I talk about starting in the womb where my mom tried to abort me. I talk about uh, getting a, a, a demon coming into me, tried to kill me to the, not to fall in 1968. We tell about the drug addiction. We talk about uh, all the, the, the mess. It's horrible. It's some of the most, uh, it's, we tell the whole story about my redemptive process in Jesus. And it's called Call from Birth. And I, I hope you'll get it if you want to uh, know more about me. Uh, we talk about, uh, started drinking when I was eight. 
The first time I got drunk, a demon came into me, tried to kill me till the fall of 1968. I talk about conversion, ramming a shotgun up in the roof of my mouth, and I talk about being tied in the bed, being bathed off with alcohol. It, it's crazy. It's, but anyway, uh, I put my favorite verse there, Psalms 40, verses 1 through 5. I waited patiently upon the Lord. He inclined unto me. He heard my cry. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a solid rock. He established my goings. He put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and trust the Lord. The whole thing is you can't fall in a pit so low that God can't pull you up. And so uh, I hope you'll get the, the if this is a DVD, uh, our whole story of her life. Well, here, Carolyn. <laughs> Oh, she said, just stack them up. You can see how good I throw. Uh, I hit somebody in the eye, it'll be a healing meeting, won't it? Yeah. All right. So they say, what, what's in the books out there? Now, uh, okay, here's, here's a book. This is Master's Plan, Divine Design. I wrote this, uh, what is it? It's uh, 200 and something pages. And I wrote it, it's 232 pages. I wrote it out of one verse in the Bible, Ephesians 2.10. That verse says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God before ordained, we conduct ourselves in them. That simply says, God created things for you to do before he created you. You have a divine purpose. I'm telling you, Ecclesiastes 3, 1 said, there is a time and a season and a purpose for every activity of God under heaven. So God wants to synchronize his time and his purpose with your duty. And so I want you to study, if you will, uh, Master's Plan Divine Design. You'll find out God has given you an unction to function. God would not give you an assignment without an anointing. So here it is, second edition. Uh, Bob Jones, years ago, he'd say, Bobby, well, he'd say, Bobby, you need to rewrite your first books. I say, Bob, I'm, I'm busy writing the next book. He said, no, you need to write your, uh, rewrite your first books because there's extra oil on it now. So this is second edition, amplified version, Master's Plan, Divine Design, Discovering Your Divine Destiny. You'd be surprised how many Christians don't know the plan of God for their life. What, God, what has God called you to do? Well, I'm going to live a few good years and go on to glory. No, there's a call and a purpose. There's a destiny for you. There's something specially created for you to do, and you need to find out what it is. All right, think about it. You are divinely, and you are divinely unique. No other human being on earth is like you. Amid the 7.6 billion people alive on this planet, God has made only one of you. Isn't that unique? That's about as unique as you can get. They ain't another you. There'll never be another you. That's amazing, isn't it? God wanted only one of you and then threw the pattern away. I like that, don't you? I don't like people try to clone themselves after other people. The only one I want to be conformed to is Jesus, don't you? So anyway, she told me to stack these up so I will. Uh, Master's plan, divine design. I hope you'll get it. All right, here's one. Uh, oh, boy, did I ever get in trouble with uh, uh, this book? Uh, for about four or five years, I went up and down the land, and the Lord had said, announce somebody's going to write a book, and it's going to help uh, form a generation, and it's going to be about legacy and lineage line. I said it for about four years. Not a single person said anything. Then finally one morning, Carolyn said to me, Bobby, I believe Jesus is talking to you about writing that book. So I said, Lord, you want me to write that book? And he said, yes. It came like a waterfall. It came like Niagara. And boy, I was going to town. And I got all the skeletal parts of it and got all of that. And then I got busy. I go a couple of places a week around the world ministering. By the way, pray for us. We'll be in, uh, uh, this week, we'll be over there in uh, Lancaster, California. Sadhu will be there. We'll be there. Joe Sweet. It's going to be a wild, wild time. 
Oh, man. So that'll be next week. And then the week after that, uh, we, we're going to be with Chuck Pierce up there in, uh, outside of Dallas there. And then after that, we're in September. Uh, yeah, that'll be after, after we get back. I go to Houston too, don't I? Uh, next two weeks, I go to Houston. And then my wife and I go to Shanghai, China. What's all? What? Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have a good time. I was going to buy me a suit in China once. You know, they were very good at tailoring and making suits. So they had a very nice price on a suit. So I walk in and they all start saying, no price, king size, too big. No price. That means you're not getting the special price. Too much cloth to make your suit. Yeah. Now, if I hadn't have been a man of character, that could have wounded me, you know. <laughs> but anyway, back to the legacy and lineage line. Lord said, I want you to write. So I started, and it was wonderful. Then I got really busy traveling, and I'm driving from up here in Moravian Falls down to the airport one day, driving my truck down there to get on the plane, go somewhere. And the Lord said to me, Bobby, how's your legacy and lineage line book coming along? <clears throat> so I said, well, well, Lord, uh, I've got really busy and uh, I've kind of pushed it on the back burner. He looked at me with piercing eyes and said, I intend for you to finish that book, cancel some meetings, get in a solitude place and finish the book. I canceled some meetings, finished the, the book. The first edition sold out just like this. This is an amplified version, has uh, a lot of uh, things added to it. We talk about how to break off ancestral curses, how to speak and declare blessings over your descendants. Isaiah 44, 3 and 4 said, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, floods upon dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your descendants and they will spring up like willows by fertile river. If you're hungry, you're desperate for God, your children will flourish. The Bible said the parents eat bitter fruit and the children's teeth get set on edge. Whether you believe it or not, you are forging the future your grandchildren will live in. So we want to hand this thing off better than we found it, don't you think? All right, legacy and lineage line. All right, here's our latest book. This just got into Moravian Falls last week now, and it's called Audience with the King. Wow. Lord Jesus appeared to me, said, Bobby, my people don't like to talk to me. I said, the least attended service in any church is prayer meeting. That's why I'm so thankful y'all are zeroing in, focusing in, making a target of prayer. God won't do anything on this earth until we pray it in. Jeremiah 33, 3 calling me, I will answer you. I will show you great and mighty things which you have no comprehension of. You know what the Hebrew says? It says, I will show you things that are unaccessible until you pray them into accessibility. Wow. That's that Jeremiah 33, 3. See, God never intended prayer to be a monologue. Call unto me, I will answer you. See there? You call, he answers so anyway, this is, this is about audience with the king. He said, I'm going to give you a phrase. And that's the phrase he gave me. He said, tell my people what true prayer is. It is an audience with the king. And this is our, our, our book on prayer. I'm telling you, 1 John 5, 14 says, this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask him, being God, anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. If we know that he hears us, we're totally confident we're going to get what we're asking. See, prayer is not like spinning the lottery wheel. Prayer is a confident, sure, God said it, I can have it. Amen. Yeah, we gotta have confidence when we pray. He that comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. If you're talking to somebody you can't see and you're not expecting an answer, they lock people up for that. They put them in them funny jackets. 
listen, you need to believe God's going to answer you when you're praying. And the Bible said, call unto me and I'll answer you. And the Bible said, I'm, I'm yelling. The, the Bible says while we're yet speaking, he'll answer. Isn't that good? You say, well, you mean uh, I can just ask anything? No, you ask it according to his will. Wow, isn't that something? Job 22, 28 says, decide what you want, tell God what that is, and he'll get it for you. Woo! That is a wonderful verse. Job 22, 28, you shall decree a thing, and the Lord will establish it, and the light of his favor will shine upon your pathway. Wow. That says like, that's, one guy says, that sounds like that, name it and claim it. I said, you hit the nail right on the head. We need to name it and claim it. Remember blind Bartimaeus stood before the Lord Jesus? Now, anybody in the house could have seen the, could have seen the dude was blind, there he is, he'd been barred itch, it just looked like, and standing before Jesus, and Jesus goes, what is it you want me to do for you? Had Jesus lost the word of knowledge? No, he wanted him to decree what he needed. Lord, that I might receive my sight, and Jesus goes, go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. Immediately he received his sight, followed Jesus in the way. We have not because we, okay, all right. I hope you'll get after this uh, Audience with the king. It's almost unbelievable. See, not a one of us in this room could pick up our cell phone and call Donald Trump. You know why? Not enough clout. Not, not, I mean, you couldn't call any prime minister. Anybody, you know why? Not enough clout. But any of us can get on our face before Almighty God and have his attention. Wow, what a privilege. Prayer is an audience with the king. It'll, th that thought will turn prayer from a drudgery to a delight from a duty to desire. We'll want to come before his presence. Don't you want to? Yes. I tell you, he longs for us to come. Okay, I'm getting through these books. All right. Here's the best book in the whole house. This one right here. If these don't center around this, it's worthless. It's fodder. It's not worth having. That's why when we write our books, we pack them full of the word of God. I tell people in the books, take your Bible and a pencil and pad and take notes, look up the verses, make sure everything's on. You know, that's why sometimes people go, well, listen, Bobby talks so fast. I, I don't even try to get a hold of your head. I fling the seed in your heart. And God said, he'll guard the seed that God puts in his, your heart and he'll keep the fowl of the air from stealing a single seed and it'll spring up for eternal life and it, it'll bring fruit. It probably, we need to have some insight with understanding. Uh, let me, listen, this sounds just almost uh, unbelievable, but I wouldn't lie to you for nothing. Here's what it is. For 23 years on the Day of Atonement, I have a visitation from Jesus Christ. He'll come tell me some of the things that are going to happen in the future, write in a book called The Shepherd's Rod. This is the one for 2018. This is one about sonship. See, you write them a year in advance. You understand that, don't you? Here it is. It says, it's Friday, September the 29th, 2017 at 7, 11 p.m. I'm sitting on my porch right across this hill over here. And this, okay, it's Friday, September the 29th, uh, 2017 at uh, 7, 11 p.m. The sun is just sitting behind the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains. The long-awaited Day of Atonement is now upon me. I'm blessed to be sitting on my porch in my home in Moravian Falls, North Carolina, looking out over the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains. The sky is golden. So we had the visitation. And he said, I'm sick and tired of my people wallowing away in the pig pen of poor perception. He says, I want you to teach them on sonship. So we're going to learn more about sonship in these days than we've known our whole life. Romans 8, 14 says, as many as, uh, as many as are allowing themselves to be led by the Holy Spirit are the sons of God. 1 John 3, 1 through 3 says, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we be called, classified, identified as the sons of God. 
Why should we want to be sons? Sons means full, grown, mature believers that can take over family business. God wants us to take over family business. He said, as my father sent me, now I'm what? Sending you as he is, so are we in this present world. We need to understand we're sons of the most high God and we're joint heirs with Jesus. Galatians, Galatians chapter four, verse six through seven says, and because you're sons, God has sent forth his spirit into your heart and you're no more uh, have a spirit of slavery, but a spirit of son whereby you can cry, Abba, Father. And it talks about being an inheritance and being inheritance with Jesus Christ. Anything Jesus has, you have equal share. That's pretty amazing. Hebrews chapter one, verses one through six says, Jesus has the rightful ownership of the whole universe and yours join heirs. Mm -hmm. Your portfolio just grew. Can you imagine that? You're joint heirs with Jesus. Well, anyway, you can study that. But that's not what I want to talk to you today about out of this book. Sonship is very important. It's a central message right now. I've been preaching over the nations. But what I want to, I want to talk to you about is this. Remember, I wrote it a year in advance. We said we'd see rivers of fire running down the mountains. We'd see ash blowing in the air. Have we seen that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. See, now this is a year in advance. Uh, let, uh, let me turn to page 101. Say, Bobby's turning page 101. Here it is. Okay. <clears throat> you ready? All of creation is crying out from above and below. All of creation is crying out, longing for the saints of God to step in their true identity. That's Romans 8, 19. The whole creation is groaning, travailing, wanting us to step into our true identity. The earth will begin to shake and rivers of fire will flow as the depths of the earth are swelling. All creation is travailing or having birth pains. Now, these birth pains are manifested in earthquakes and mighty mountains are erupting, spewing ash in rivers of fire across the land. Have we seen that? We've seen it several times. We've seen some massive earthquakes. And so we prophesied this in advance. We also said those that are trying to conceal things, it's going to be revealed, the Me Too thing. See, that's in here too. Isn't that wild? So yes, oh, I like that. We said that the church could uh, defuse this ticking time bomb of North Korea. We had some success on that, hadn't we? Listen, it's pretty wild. Oh, man, anyway, well, I hope you'll read it, but that's not what we want to talk about today. Here's what I'm going to talk about. You ready? Say yes. I know you came ready. We're going to talk about chapter 2. What does chapter 2 say, Robbie? Here's what it says. Developing divine discernment. If the body of Christ needs anything, we need to get our head out of the sand and get some discernment. There's people standing in pulpits teaching trash, and we're out there going, amen, brother. Amen, nothing. Listen, I went, my wife and I, we're over there in South Africa. And listen, now, now this is, for, I'm going to tell it, I am. We're over there in South Africa, and they was one of these so-called prophets. And this so-called prophet was standing before the nation saying this. My wife is pregnant with Major Jesus. The Jesus you worship is not Major Jesus. My wife will give birth to Major Jesus and your Jesus will bring all of you and worship Major Jesus. They'd already bought this guy several Bentleys, uh, Learjet, throwing money at his feet like you couldn't imagine. So, standing in South Africa where the guy lived, I stood on the platform, I took his prophecy and read out across the people just like I told you. I read it from his own own. own 
hand. My wife is pregnant with Major Jesus. The Jesus you worship is not Major Jesus. My wife will give birth to Major Jesus. You're, the, all of your, you and Jesus will come and bow down and worship. Well, so I read his prophecy. Now, listen, this is a little crude, but I don't mind. His name was prophet, it's a false prophet, false prophet uh, Samuel Bushada. Yeah, and here's what I said. In Texas, we'd call that bullshitter. Anybody, anybody that would stand there and try to tell you that their wife's pregnant with Jesus, they off base. But see, we need discernment in the body of Christ to say, set that idiot down. Instead of buying him a Bentley, don't you think? The Bible said in the book, of, I'm screaming again. The Bible, the Bible says, my people are destroyed for a lack of understanding. So, okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm reading now from page 29. Developing divine discernment, increasing spiritual sensitivity and perception, hearing and heeding the voice of God. Never for one moment doubt it. God is still speaking. One of the most pertinent and important subjects we can study is the fact that God is still communicating with his people. It is imperative that we, the body of Christ, develop a sharper sensitivity to God's voice. Nothing absolutely nothing will prepare us and equip us to hear and heed the voice of God like the spirit of intimacy. Our goal is to get as close to Christ as we can so that he could guide us with his eye. That's Psalms 32 verse 8. He can guide us with his eye. I like that, don't you? Say yes. Here it is. It is important that we discover how to silence every voice that is contrary to his voice. Christ promised that as followers, we have been given blessed eyes and blessed ears. That's Matthew 13, verse 16. Matthew 13, verse 16 and 17 says, blessed are your eyes for they see and blessed are your ears for they hear. Many long to see what you see. Many deeply desire to hear what you hear, but to them it was not permitted. Wow. You and I are blessed to be able to hear and perceive the things of God. Here it is, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 12. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, both of these God has created. We need to have vision, we need to have uh, hearing so we can perceive what God is doing and saying. Anyway, scripture, scripture states hearing, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, both, both of these are created by God. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 12. None of us want to remain dull of hearing. You ought to study sometimes Matthew 13, verse 18, and Hebrews 5, 11 said, some are dull of hearing and dense in understanding. I don't want that to be said about us. I want us to be sharp and perceptive on what God's saying. Okay, so anyway, I don't want to be dull of hearing. Do you? Say no. We've got to build our foundation on a solid foundation, had we? That's what Jesus said. That's what he said. He said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29, so everyone that hears the words of mine and acts upon them will be like a wise man. We've got to build our spiritual foundation on what Jesus says. Don't you think? You know what's keeping most people away from the real king of glory? Tradition. It's the only thing I found in the Bible more powerful than the Bible. Teaching for commandments, the traditions of men, and making the word of God of none effect. Traditions can nullify the word of God. See, there's whole, there are whole denominations right now don't even believe in the Holy Ghost. Listen, how you can't read the Bible without believing in the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, he's from the first book of the Bible, and the Spirit of God breathed and moved and hovered. Well, anyway, 
Well, I, you know, we're, a lot of people are like that in the book of Acts. We've not even heard whether there is a Holy Ghost. There is a Holy Ghost. <laughs> Jesus, there's not one single miracle he recorded in the New Testament until he was filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts 10, 38 says God did something. Oh, he anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Say Holy Ghost. You know what a woman told me one time? She said, oh, Bobby, said, uh, please, please don't use that phrase. Holy Ghost said, that's, uh, that's so Pentecostal. Why don't you just say Holy Spirit? I call him Holy Ghost. It says in the Bible. I'm telling you guys, I don't care what title you give to him just so you honor him. Don't blaspheme the Holy Ghost. It won't be forgiven you in this world or the world is coming. Look out now. See, there's, whole, there's a whole generation of young people. They mock the Holy Spirit like they're smoking dope. Uh, I, t I went and talked to the leader of that, and I told him, you are crossing a line. You can blaspheme the Holy Ghost, but I'll tell you, you won't be forgiven in this world or the world that's coming. We better understand God will protect the Holy Ghost. And let me tell you what, a lot of people think, well, the Holy Ghost is something between a parakeet and a pigeon. Cool, cool. I'll tell you who the Holy Ghost is. He's God. He's the only God agent on this planet right now. God the Father seated in heaven. God the Son seated at the right hand. It's God the Holy Ghost down here ministering. And he's a lot more powerful than you think. You shall receive power when? After Holy Ghost. Ooh. Well, you know about the faulty foundation. Don't. Remember I told you, here it is, Hosea 4, verse 6. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Hosea 4, verse 6. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Now, not, I'm not talking about Google knowledge. I'm talking about heavenly revelation. Insights and understanding, comprehensive insights into the ways of God. All right. It is, it is only as we obey the word of God that our lives are built upon the side. Uh, uh, let me read this right. <clears throat> I'm, I'm working on uh, making me an audio book. I'm the guy that went to London, England, had to have an interpreter. Now, that's the honest truth. I went to London. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Here's what they said. What language are you speaking? Here's what I told them. Texican. I speak Texican. I use verses. I use phrases like God's a gonna. He's a fixin' to. See, people don't understand that means it's intimate. It's right at the door. Well, anyway. Okay. Let me read this. Globally, we see dark and dangerous days. It is imperative that we have eyes to see and ears to hear. We must develop clear reception and, precept and precise perception. Scripture states, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. It is as we obey the word of God that our lives are built and established upon the solid rock of Christ and his eternal word. All right, so I want you to, we're going to look at developing divine discernment. Now, if you're going to get any, any kind of insights into the ways of God, let the Holy Ghost be your teacher. You don't have to get a whole stack of commentaries. I wish I'd have learned that way before I got a whole stack of commentaries. A whole stack of commentaries. Here's what, here's what the commentary will say about the verse you're looking at in it. This is a very difficult passage to interpret. Well, I knew that. But I'll, I'll tell you a key. The best commentary to the scripture is the scripture. Let the scripture interpret the scripture. And you'll find it. 
You'll find it. You'll, you'll find the meaning of it revealed in the Scripture. So that's what I'm trying to say to you. Let the Holy Ghost teach you. I'm reading now out of John chapter 16, and I'll start with verse 13. This is what Jesus Christ said concerning Holy Ghost. You ready? If, if somebody's going to teach us about Holy Ghost, I think he would be adequate, don't you think? Okay, here it is. But when he... The spirit of truth, the truth-giving spirit comes. He will guide you into all the truth, the whole truth, the full truth. He will not speak his own message on his own authority, but he will tell whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that has been given to him, and he will announce and declare to you the things that are to come that will happen in the future. Now, that means you don't have to try to call up some psychic. A psychic can't tell you the future. All you can get from a psychic is a demon. If you want to know the future, ask Holy Ghost. Ask Holy Ghost. You don't have to dial a 1-900 demon. Did you know that's a lucrative business in America? You know why they're so lucrative? They're profiting off of people's paranoia because people want to know, what does the future hold? The Holy Ghost will tell you. Let me read that again. He will announce and declare to you the things that are to come that will happen in the future. Who will? Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Okay. All right. Ask for revelatory insights as you study these pages. Let the Holy Spirit guide you in a deeper and wonderful manner of the Father's heart. Listen to this, Nehemiah 9, 20. You gave your good spirit to instruct them and withheld not your manner from their mouth. That's Nehemiah 9, 20. He gave his good spirit. Now, I go all over the world preaching. I found out something. There's pastors of mega churches that are afraid of the Holy Ghost. What? There's pastors in pulpits afraid of the Holy Ghost. So I got on a journey and a quest. I'm going to find out why any pastor would be afraid of the Holy Ghost. I deduced it down. Here it is. You ready? They can't control him. You can't control him. Jesus said he's like the wind. You said, you heard it. You don't know where it came from. You're not quite sure where it went. That's why a lot of pastors afraid of the Holy Ghost. They can't control him. They can grieve him, quench him, vex him, but they can't control him. All right, here we go. First thing you can learn from Nehemiah 9.20 is the Holy Spirit's good. You also gave your good spirit to instruct them, them being the people of God. You did not withhold your manna from their mouth, and you gave them water for their thirst, Nehemiah 9.20. That's what he did for the saints in the Old Testament. Book Hebrews says what, what God did for them, he does better for us. All right, all right. John 14, verse 26. Jesus still talking about Holy Ghost. But the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the intercessor, the advocate, the strengthener, the standby, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf, he will teach you all things. And he will cause you to recall, will remind you of and bring to your remembrance everything I have told you. That's, I, I rely on that verse when I stand here and talk to you so fast because the Holy Ghost says, I'll bring it back up. I'll remind you. I'll pull it out of your hard, hard drive when you need it. Don't you like that? I want to read that again. <clears throat> this is Jesus. It's in the red part of the Bible. Jesus talking. But when the comforter the word comforter there means it doesn't mean some it means one alongside with sufficient strength. I mean, listen, if, if you're carrying a big log, you, you don't want some little weasel come by. I'll help you. You'll be dragging the log and the weasel. 
He's along. <laughs> He's alongside with sufficient strength. That's the word counselor. Yeah, that's good. Anyway, thank God for that. I'm going, to, I'm going to keep on with this because God said, I want you to teach my people about how to develop divine, divine discernment. Here it is, James 1, 22. You, de you develop divine discernment by doing what's been taught for you to do. You've got to become a doer of the word. There's a way that seems right, but that way's death. We've always got to line up and sync up with what God says. We've got to have a synchronization between what the word says and what our walk does. So here it is, James 1, verse 22 through 25. But be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. But, a, but for he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law that talks about the word of God, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word. He, this one will be blessed in whatever he does. Does. Now, you can't hear the word of God and go, well, I know the Bible says that, but I'm still going to do this. No, that's rebellion, and rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Wow. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it's sin. When you find it in the Bible, you're not going to conform this Bible to you. This Bible will conform you to it. That's what we got to do, man. Mm. Okay. There's that First Samuel 15, verse 23. It says, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Mm. See, I don't know how we let witchcraft go by so undisturbed. Guess what the number one read book among young people is? Harry Potter. Among children, preschoolers. Guess who I blame for that? Papa and Memo, mother and daddy. See, somebody's, somebody's paying for those books. And I'm telling you, it's witchcraft. Saturday morning cartoons is nothing but blatant witchcraft. The Bible says, I do not even suffer a witch to live. Let alone build a theme park for him. Do you understand? Yeah. Listen. You know, there's people say, well, listen, I know some uh, white witches. There's no such thing as a white witch. You either in or out. You either serving God or the devil. There's no middle ground. There ain't no purgatory in this thing. You either for me or you're against me. You're gathering in or you're scattered and abroad. There's no such thing as a white witch. Their hearts is dark as the devil. They're against light, but they're working harder to stop the move of God than the church is to bring it on. Amen. They've lined out the whole nation in lines of nines. They've set up a hierarchy like you, but listen, you and I can confuse their yeah. plots. Amen. Listen, listen. Okay, well, Bobby, I don't want any conflict at all. Listen, you're going to lay down like a... If what you've got's not, not worth defending, it's not Christianity. Book of Jews said, earnestly contend for the faith. Okay, let me get back to this. Y'all ready? So how's this married life coming? Good. Uh, I've talked to him about it twice. I've given him some good advice. I told him all he needed to do was say, I do, and yes, dear. Yeah, he's got it down. I talked to him twice about it. Uh, I told him, I said, if you foul up on those two, Dr. Phil couldn't even help him. Yeah. I do, and yes, dear. Yeah, yeah, oh, Lord. Well, let me get back into this. Here's what you ought to pray over yourself every day. You ought to pray the prayer Paul's praise in Ephesians 1, verses 17 through 19. For I always pray to you, to the God of our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom 
a spirit of revelation of the insights into the mysteries and the secrets into the deep and intimate knowledge of God by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints, his set-apart ones, and so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable, unlimited, and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength. We ought to pray for deeper insights into the ways of God. Don't you want to go deep? We cannot survive superficial. We got to go deep. Psalms 42 said deep is calling to deep. Psalm 63 verse 1 says, I thirst for you like in a dry and weary land where no water is. Okay. There we go. John 10, 3 through 5. It says, I'll, I'll read it here. To the doorkeeper... To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not comprehend and know and recognize his voice. You ought to be so intimate with Jesus when somebody says something that's not Lining up with Jesus, don't follow them. They will in no wise follow a stranger. Now, you believe there's people in here trying to lead you astray? There's people in the body of Christ. Their goal is to lead you astray. The Bible says there'll come a time when people will stand in pulpits teaching doctrines taught by demons. We're there. Anybody that would stand in a pulpit and teach ultimate reconciliation is a doctrine of a demon. Ultimate reconciliation is even the devil's going to be saved. Wow. I, 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 listen, I strongly disagree with that. The, yeah. I, I can't believe how educated people can believe such a trashy doctrine. Here's what they hear. They say, well, you know, the grace of God. God, Listen, I love the grace of God, but I will have nothing to do with this hyper grace message. Did you read the book of Hebrews? They trod under their feet the blood of the covenant and do despite to the spirit of grace. That's what it says. Read Hebrews. It straightens out the whole mess. Well, I know some good preachers and they preach a lot of grace. I'm telling you, I love the grace of God. But any grace that doesn't bring you to sanctification is not the grace of God. Grace is not a license to live loose. You can't have a license to live loose. We've got to have holiness. Well, all right. Okay. Matthew, I quoted this verse earlier, but I better read it so you'll know it's in the Bible. Matthew 13, verse 16 and verse 17. But spiritually awake, but spiritually aware and favored by God are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, many prophets and righteous men who were honorable and in right standing with God longed to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Wow, aren't we privileged to have privy to secret mystical things of God? Wow. Okay, that's pretty wild. We have blessed eyes, capable of hearing and seeing and receiving truth without a doubt. We need deeper perception and clearer reception of the Word of God. That's so true, isn't it? Yes. All right. I don't know what time it is. I get all wound up, but it'll be okay. It'll be all right, don't you think? Yeah. 
After all, all we're going to do is go to dinner. In her. See, in Texas, it was breakfast, dinner, and supper. I get in some of these swanky places. I don't know what we're eating. <laughs> Me and Carolyn got to London one time, somewhere in, in, uh, there in a castle thing. And the, the little lady of the house, she said, I saw We're going to have tea. Tea? She said, do you want some tea? I said, no, ma'am, I don't want any tea. She said, are you quite sure? I said, yeah, I'm sure. I don't want no tea. I'm hungry. So, see, I didn't tell her I'm hungry, but she said, oh, okay. So we visited a little while longer. She said, I saw Are you sure you will not have tea? I said, yes, ma'am, I'm sure I'm not having tea. She said, well, we'll have tea. So she goes in the kitchen, brings out sandwiches, food, salads. I go, good God, I'm having that. Why didn't you tell me it was going to have food? I thought it was going to have tea. I didn't know tea was one of their meals they had. I said, I'll have make mine a double, you know. You remember? Crazy stuff. Wow. But see, sometimes you have brunch. You can look at me and tell it. I, you know, I fare pretty well, you know. I've not missed many teas. Anyway. Different cultures are something, aren't they? Whew. I'm pretty, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. We've been, in, we've been in some fancy places, man. Oh, man. One time I'm off in a foreign country, and they, they, they have a banquet for us. And they always say to you, please don't dishonor the host. It's very, you know, it's very disgraceful. It'll break all kind of relationships. So they have this big banquet to uh, honor us. And I, and I appreciate, I, I do appreciate this. <sighs> but here's what happened. All the dignitaries are there, and I'm sitting at the table right here. And the man that's uh, hosting this whole thing is sitting right there. So now here, at, they bring in a special plate for the guest. So we've already had some noodles and some other stuff. And so here they come. It's, it's like a fanfare. It's like they, here they come. They're bringing this big platter of stuff. Oh, there's a silent hush, and they lay it down before me. And there's candles burning, and I, I'm trying to look and see what it is. It looked like ice around it. I'm not sure. And I thought maybe oysters. You know, they put or ice around oysters, and then I thought, no, they wouldn't put ice around oysters. And I'm trying to focus this known light, and oh, my, I see two fuzzy little ears sticking up. It's monkey head. They, you de, they decrane it, and there's pickle monkey head. Some hot liquid ran up in my mouth. And I keep hearing me in my ear, don't embarrass the host. Don't disgrace the host. I thought one way or the other, I'm going to disgrace this dude. I'm going to turn around and hurl on his buddy. I ain't eating no monkey head. And then it happened. Oh, God. Thank God for revelation. There's a verse in the Bible. It says, give honor to whom honors due. I changed my voice. I said to that host, I said, sir, sir, the holy word of God declares Give honor to whom honor is due. And sir, I'd like to honor you with this. Oh, Lord. 
They started taking pictures and clapping and throwing flowers up there. I thought, glory to God. <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen, thank God for verses, you know. Whoo, good gracious. I don't, that doesn't have a thing to do with the teaching, but I'm just, uh, I, I was just going to show you how cultural you know, like I can blend in. I stand out, don't we? Oh, man. But we have fun. Don't go somewhere and not have fun. Here's a good one. Speak this over yourself every morning. Psalms 119, verse 130. The unfolding of your glorious word gives light. The, their unfolding gives understanding to the simple and the childlike. Say, God, I want you to unfold this before me. I'm not sure what is going to happen, but I know this, that you'll give me revelation about it. You'll show it to me like I'm a simpleton or a child. That's what it says, Psalms 139, uh, Psalms 119-130. The entrance of your word gives light. It gives an unfolding and a comprehension of the ways of God. Well, there's a whole bunch of stuff. So you'll have to get this whole thing studied. You want to? Yeah, you should. It will help you. Scripture clearly warns us that during these days, it is going to be much darker in the wicked world. But for the children of God, it will get brighter and lighter as we walk in the word of God. We're going to get walk into the radiance of his glory. You know, I love uh, when they were singing the, the worship, they was talking about his face is all I seek. That's Psalms 27, verse 8. Psalms 27, verse 8 says, When you said, seek my face, my whole heart cried out, yes, your face I'll seek. Psalms 27, verse 8. Don't you want to seek his face? His face changes our face, the Bible says. His countenance changes our countenance. Wow. It did Moses, didn't it? Yes. Y'all want to hear some more verses? There's a whole, I put a whole bunch of them in here. I really did because God wants us to do some things, okay? Okay. He wants us to come up. Here we go. If Moravian Falls is known for anything, it's known for portals. Portals. There's an open portal here. There's vortexes. One, one time we was here a long time before people built stuff around here. And the Lord said, my, my wife was here. My second son was here, and his first son was with us. And the Lord said, Bobby, I'm going to speak to you through the wind in the tree, but you'll have to tell your family first. So I said to them, God's going to speak to us through the wind in a tree out here. So we come out there, and there's a tree, just a plain tree. And a voice spoke out of the wind in the tree. So I turned to my wife. I said, uh, what did you hear? My wife said, Bobby, I heard it, but I couldn't tell what it said. I turned to my son, Sean, upright as you could imagine. I said, Sean, what did you hear? He said, Dad, I heard, but I couldn't tell what it said. At that time, his little boy, who's 24 now, how old was Blake? About five years old. My first little grandson, he's, he's standing right there. So I looked down at Blake, and I said, uh, Blake, what did you hear? He threw his blue eyes on me, and here's what he said. Papa, you know what you heard. Go do what you're told. <laughs> Guess what I heard? Here's what I heard from the wind in the tree. Go declare my name. I am the Lord God Almighty. That's what he said. Go declare my name. I am the Lord God Almighty. My wife couldn't understand it. My son couldn't understand it. But there's a generation coming that can. My little grandson said, you see, he'd have never talked to me like that. You know what you heard, go do what you're told. Wow, pretty wild, don't you think? So God wants us to go declare the name of the Lord. We're gonna come back to Moravian Falls here and we're gonna do a whole conference on the name of God. The names of God. 
You get the nine reverential covenant names of God. The Bible said the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they're protected. We don't know how to use the name of God. If we're going to get to know God, we better learn his names. Okay. I've invited myself back. No, pastor said, pastor said we could do it. Yeah. You have to be under authority to have authority. Well, I'll do whatever. Well, no, you'll be a rebel and you'll have an absolute spirit and won't amount to much. That's right. You better learn authority and you better learn honor. Okay. Well, anyway, I'm, there's a, it, the book's out there. It's called The Shepherd's Rod. It's a wedding gift. Good. Oh, no. She'll read it to you. No, no. Talking about read it to you. There's an author named Jack Taylor. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. And he wrote a book years ago called What Every Wife Wishes Their Husband Knew. And he gave us that book. Uh, I would find that book on the head of the commode, the, the back part of the commode. I'd find that book on the head of my bed by the night lamp. My wife was sewing that book. I said to her, if I want to read that book, I'll read it. I was stumbling over it. You know, everywhere I, I told Jack Taylor, I said, don't you ever write another book like that. He's a great author, uh, but anyway. Yeah, you remember that? You'd hide that book, you'd put it in open sight. What every wife wishes their husband knew. Oh boy, I have pulled some boo-boos with Carolyn. We got married, she had some perfume, little bottles of perfume, and we had one little medicine cabinet about that big, and I don't, and bottles would fall out. She's gone somewhere, so I thought I'm gonna consolidate. So I took me a bottle of aqua, uh, empty bottle of aqua velva and poured every one of her bottles of perfume in that. Idiot, I didn't know. And she had bought them her own self before we got married with her own money so she'd have something priceless. And I dumped them all in one single bottle. So, and honestly, I thought I'd done good. I'd conserved all that space in our medicine cabinet. Oh Lord, she came in and she just, she, it just, she cried. I was stunned, oh my goodness. So I said, oh honey, don't, I'll go get you some more. So I got one of the little bottles, it was just a, a, the empty bottle, about like that, little bitty thing, I don't know how many ounces, just an ounce or so, not even that, yeah. So I go down to a nickel and dime store. I pull it out and I said, ma'am, I need to get a bottle of this. She looked at me like I was from Mars. She said, sir, you can't get that in this store. You have to go to a specialty store. I said, well, how much would I expect to pay? Oh, Lord, you could make a car payment nearly. So I said, no. And then I looked over there. <laughs> There's a bottle of stuff that looked like a filth of whiskey. I said, well, how much is that? She said, $3. I said, I'll take it. So I bought her, yeah, I bought her a bottle of crazy stuff. Listen, uh, nobody in the, nobody wore it, did they, you know? Anyway, well, me and my stuff. Yep. We've had some rounds. On our first vacation, we was gonna leave on a vacation. We hadn't been married long. This is, this is not how you start your marriage. We was going to take our first vacation, and I'm driving. And we, we'd never been out of the state of Texas, so I'm driving. And I'm driving my 
car across a big old bridge in Bossier City, Louisiana. And I guess a, a ship or a boat was coming under the bridge and that sound of big air horn. Rock! Scared the crud out. I mean, I jerked the wheel like that. And she laughed at me. I laughed about my driving. I went across the bridge, made a U-turn, come back and drove all the way back to the house. She threw my pet alligator out. I'd bought an alligator back then. You could buy alligators on the side of the road. I'd bought me a pet alligator and had him in the front seat. And on the way back home, she threw him out the window. He was probably starring in Crocodile Dundee. Who knows? You know. Now, wasn't that a vacation? We, we, we was out of the state of Texas for about 17 seconds. Across the bridge, made a U-turn. I said, I don't know where I'm going, but I know where I've been. Went right back to the house. Oh, man. Volatile, wasn't we? Listen. Well, I better not tell about that. She, yeah, I better get back to the book is what she said. But people ask, well, what's it like being married to Bobby? Oh, you don't want to know. Good gracious. I am intense. <laughs> I can have a meltdown if I have to, you know. Yeah. Oh, man. We started the church one time. I wasn't a Christian. I think I might have been, but not a very good one. Started to church and somebody uh, cut me off on the way to church. I wasn't saved then because I run them off the road, jerked off my antenna and bit my, bit my car up. <laughs> I had road rage before they call it that. You know what I mean? Good Lord. I better get back up here. <laughs> I always liked fast cars. Oh, man. I, I've always liked to do everything extreme. Hadn't you? Why walk if you can skip? You know what I mean? I don't like people go, well, you know, life is just kind of gray. Listen, not mine. You ought, to, you ought to be ecstatic every day that you get to wake up in the world. Every day you ought to say, oh, God, I want to have an adventure with you. I want you to do something meaningful in my life. Sometimes he'll do things. One time I'm in Tyler, Texas. He said, go to Turkey. I'll speak to you. I said, God, speak to me in Tyler. He said, go to Turkey. We bought tickets, went to Turkey. We rode a shepherd's rod out of Turkey. Good gracious. 1998. That's when we predicted the terrorist attack in America. Back then, you didn't ever hear the word terrorist. Wow. That was, go to Turkey, I'll speak to you. Wow. All I know is you better do what he tells you. you, you remember, have you ever read Acts chapter 2, verse 1? Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, They were all in, no, they were all in one place in one accord. Why were they in that place? Luke 24, 49. Somebody heard Jesus say, Go tarry in Jerusalem. Get where you're supposed to be to get what you're going to get. See, if you're not in the right place, you won't get what God wants to give you. They were all in one place. Somebody listen to that prophetic word as Jesus was talking. Oh, by the way, go tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Wow. We better listen. Follow that word. We better follow Jesus. Well, anyway, I had fun. Don't, don't, don't I don't, I don't like people that are doing things they don't enjoy. I'm just telling you up front, life's way too short for that. Find out the will of God and you'll have joy. Just the happiest people I know are those that are serving God. Wow. 
I, I can tell you about missionaries around the world. Their faces are aglow. They don't have nothing. They don't have active internet. They don't have air conditioning. They don't have clean drinking water. But they're happy as they can be. They're in the place God's called them. Man, I fuss if the plane seat's too little. Well, yeah. But mm, most time I buy the cheapest ticket and then beg God to bump me up. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. By that, y'all better pray for the one to Shanghai. Well, anyway, have you, airplane tickets are crazy. A business class ticket to Shanghai is $8,000. Yeah. I was going to fly from Tyler, Texas to London. Our travel guy said, are you sitting down? I said, I need to be. He said, probably. A business class ticket to London, England from, Tyler, from Dallas, Texas was $16,000. Wow. Wow. Isn't that crazy? I said, well, well, anyway. Here's what I figured out. I, I do. I buy the economic ticket and then beg God to bump me up. It's pretty wild. Hundreds of times that's happened. Bill Johnson told me, he said, I'd buy the best, the big seat and then beg God to pay for it. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, here's one. Let me give you, I'll give you this and then we'll quit. You can't imagine the stories we've had on the plane. But anyway, uh, uh, I bought me a Delta, a cheap Delta ticket. I was back at 37F. I mean, that's as far back as you go. Behind me is the urinal. So I said, oh God, I need to be bumped up. And God said, no problem. I'm going to bump you up. I said, oh, thank you, God. So I go up the window, and I said, ma'am, I'd like to be uh, upgraded. And she said to me, sure, no problem. Brought me out of, there's some, that would be sub coach, I guess. And brought me up there to business, to first class. And I'm back there like in seat five or something like that. And I thought, oh, God, I'm so thankful. So I'm sitting in the chair over there, and they call my name. And so I go back up to the window, and she said, could I see your ticket? I said, yes, ma'am. So I handed her the first class ticket. I think it was like uh, B5 or whatever it was. And she said, oh, here, I'm going to give you this one. And it's 1A. If I get one more bump up, I'll be flying this dude. You know what I mean? <laughs> so here we go. I thought, okay, that's good. So I get back to the seat, and I'm just kind of rejoicing, like, mm, in the big seat, so I'll have something other than pretzels. And a... But and here's what happened. The Lord said, do you know why I bumped you up? I said, no. No, not really. He said, don't, don't do it till I tell you. But when I tell you, do it. I said, okay. He said, now, here's what I want you to do. He said, when I tell you, you ask the person that's standing in front of you, hey, do you read the Bible? If they say, yes, I do, say to them, you're going to be like Daniel, Daniel of old. God's going to use you with political leaders to help them have wisdom to get their people out of dangerous days. Okay, so I'm sitting there rehearsing. Hey, you read the Bible? Yes, I do. You're going to be like Daniel. Daniel of old, God's going to give you wisdom, help your leaders get uh, the people out of dangerous days. Okay, okay. They call for us to board the plane. I like to board before the pilot, honestly. So I get in, I snuggle down. I'm in the first row seat there, and I'm snuggled down in my first class seat, and I'm happy. Hey, do you read the Bible? Yes, I do. You're going to be like Daniel, Daniel of old. So uh, the plane fills up. There's a person here. There's people all around us. So I looked over here. The Lord said, nope. Looked over there. Nope. 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 And I thought, well, I'm flying for free. None of these were the people. So we get to where we're going, plane lands. 
I get up to unget, I get the overhead open. I'm trying to get my briefcase out, and somebody bumps into me like this, and they're pulling out a briefcase next to me, just like this, and just bump me pretty hard. So I turn, and we're just like this. Here's this handsome black man this close to me, and God said, yep, that's him. I go, hey, he's right here. Hey, do you read the Bible? Yes, I do. You're going to be like Daniel, Daniel of old. God's going to give you an anointing to help political leaders get their people out of a weary way. And he said, oh, sir, I must apologize to you. The reason I was so aggressive to get the luggage out, it's not my luggage, it's my president's. And there sat the first woman president of Liberia, Africa. She won the Nobel Prize. You can Google her. Uh, Isn't that something? Isn't that amazing? She got her people out of a 14-year civil war. But see, hey, that's him, you see. Isn't that wild? I got bumped up to call this guy and do his calling. So isn't that wild? You say, well, good Lord, nothing like that ever happens to me. Get up and ask God to have an adventure. Yeah, sometimes he wants an adventure when you want everybody to leave you alone. Some rich people, well, some wealthy people carried us out to a a wonderful diner, a a dinner spot. And you could see the mountains and everything. And so everything's going good. Until the late, the Lord said, Bobby, the waitress is coming. I have a word for her. I said, okay, God, what is the word you have for her? He said, when she comes, I want you to look her straight in the face and say to her, yes, you are a survivor. I thought, well, now that couldn't cause a big scene. Have you ever been in those places that cost a lot of money to eat? Number one, you go away hungry. Number two, nobody talks above a whisper. I say, dear, this is lovely. So that's how it was. And here comes the gal. She's got her tray. She comes like this, and she's standing there, and I looked up at her, and I said, yes, God says you are a survivor. When I said that, she screams at the top of her voice and launches our dinner. Shalom! She falls in the floor screaming and gasping. All the dinner falls. There's broken plates. There's steak sliding and baked potato upside down. She gets up and runs off through a door screaming. Ah! Ah! See, God wanted to have an adventure. I wanted to have a T-bone. That's... So I had to go find out what it was. But God had conversed with this woman and told her, yes. You are a survivor. She had been contemplating ending her life. And God had told her, no, you are a survivor. And she comes to wait on the table and somebody says, yes, God says you are a survivor. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, everything will get established. But see, it'll mess up your dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. One thing you got to realize, you're expendable. You know what I mean? You know, you're not supposed to try to look good. You are going to make him look good. You know what I mean? One of my prophetic friends went to London years ago. That's when London was pretty hostile to the prophetic, so he's having a dinner with a bunch of pastors. And my friend looked at this pastor and he says, Oh, brother, the Lord has given me your name. And he called him something like Reginald or something like that. And the guy says, that's not my name. And all the other preachers kind of giggle and punch one another. This is supposed to be one of the most uh, accurate voices in America at that time. 
And he said, oh, sir, I'm so sorry. He said, uh, I, I was sure God told me your name was Reginald. He said, my name is not Reginald. My friend said to God, God, he said his name wasn't Reginald. God said, yes, his name's Reginald. So my friend said, well, that's all. God said your name was Reginald, something like Norton or something like that. And so they mocked the prophetic. My friend comes back to America, and guess what happens? A few days later, this man found out he was adopted, and his real birth name was Reginald. So they called my friend and said, could you come back for a prophetic anointing? See, God knew his real name. I've read the Bible. He said, he is acquainted with all of our ways. Well, we've got to get out. Good gracious, it's noon. It's, it's a crack of noon. That's when a lot of prophets get up at the crack of noon. No, you better get up early to seek the Lord. I'll tell you what, answer him whenever he calls. Most of you are awakened at 3 a.m. That's, that's, that, that's, that's the high spiritual time in any 24-hour period. But I want to pray for you. Let's pray, let's pray that each one of us will grow in our discernment. We want to become seers and sayers. It says before a prophet was called a prophet, he was identified as a seer. So a real prophet must be a seer than a sayer, a receiver and a reciter. And we've got to learn we're the postman, not the author. Our job is to deliver the mail just like God gave it to us. We don't have the privilege of rewriting it. Just say it like God says to say it. And that's when it'll work out. And I've, I've had to say some things. I thought, oh, God, that's the dumbest thing. And he said, nope, if you say anything else, it won't be me. Wow. Wow. If it ain't God, it ain't worth having. Here's what God told me. He said, tell the body of Christ to accept no imitation so they can expect no limitation. Accept no imitation. What's an imitation? Fake, fraud, counterfeit. Accept no imitation, then expect no limitation. Father, I thank you that you want us to grow in our discernment. I pray that you will help the body of Christ. I pray you'll help us to grow deeper and fuller and clearer insights into your ways and your wisdom. We want to walk under uh, open heaven. We want to walk with our hearts alive with the light of God. We don't want to stumble in the dark. We're children of the light. We choose to walk in your word. We choose to walk in your light. We thank you that you've impregnated us with the desire to please you, Father. So, Lord, I pray that you'll help us all to grow and develop our spirit of discernment. That during this season of sensitivity, give us those eyes to see and those ears to hear and a heart to respond. And we thank you for it now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Say this with me. I have blessed eyes. I can see in the spirit realm. I have blessed ears. I can hear the voice of God. You really can. Now, one thing you need to know, and please, don't ever let anybody say to you, well, I have to hear God for you. Somebody is trying to manipulate, manipulate, I'll get it out in a minute, manipulate. Somebody's trying to lead you away from God. Don't you ever let anybody say, I have to hear God for you. No, you have the ability to hear God yourself. Now, they can help you understand some of the things you've heard, maybe, but don't you ever fall into that where, well, listen, you're incapable of hearing God. I'll hear God for you. There's some trashy stuff out there. Some, some things I'm so ashamed of. I'm ashamed when prophets stand up and they say, we've got a $1,000 line, we've got a $2,000, $5,000, $10,000, and a $50,000 line. Good Lord. I am so ashamed of that. Those are charlatans and fakes, and they should be not even given ear to in the body of Christ. Charging 
Do you see what I'm talking about? It's crazy. Crazy. I'm telling you, freely we receive, freely give. Aren't you, don't you like that? But see, people fall for that. God has told me there's 10 people here that'll sow $50,000. Well, if it's really God, God will tell them. You won't have to suggest it. Most of that is spiritual manipulation. God don't like that. He's going to judge the leadership about the, the flesh hook. Remember the flesh hook in the Old Testament? The priest would drop a three-toed tongue into a pot and pull it this way. And whatever meat hung on that was their, their portion. But they began to manipulate the meat hook. And there was great judgment came upon the priesthood because of that. Wow. Wow. Whatever you do, don't fall into that. Okay? Well, God bless you and God bless your family. I want you to be keen to hear the whisper of God. Just, just listen for him. I was walking the Swiss Alps. Mountains, I mean mountains, just jagged cliffs. And the Lord said, isn't that beautiful? I said, yes, Lord. And he said it again, no. Isn't that beautiful? I said it again, yes, Lord. Then he said, no. Isn't that beautiful? I said, what? He said, that. I looked down on the pathway in a rock strewn pathway between two boulders was a little bitty purple flower no bigger than the head of a match with a yellow center to it. One of the most gorgeous things you could imagine. And I knelt down by this flower and the Lord said, Bobby, I watched the seed as it came cascading over the mountain. I watched it as the wind put it into that crevice. I nurtured that and anybody could see the mountains. But he wanted me to stop and see the beauty of the little bitty flower. Boy, from that moment on, I look for some of the little things. Some of the most integral little things display his beauty. One of the most beautiful things you'll ever see displaying the beauty of God is the hand of a baby. No genetic person can do that. God's a giver of life. Have you seen that? Have you seen how mesmerizing the hand of a baby is? Wow. God says, they can't duplicate that. Oh, you can duplicate corn. That's why a lot of people are dying. We've tried to duplicate what God made the original love. We better leave it alone. A long time ago, I preached a message about God don't like seedless fruit. We like seedless fruit. We like seedless fruit because of the, the convenience. But it's, it can't reproduce itself. God wants us to be fruitful, full of seed, don't you think? Well, you've been quite nice to listen. God bless you, okay? I'll see you at the book table. Pastor, God bless you.